Hi, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. Y'all, this is our last week in the book of John. I can't believe it. We've made it 12 weeks and y'all have been incredible. Today we wrap up with Jesus's resurrection and kind of close up the book. So you've made it this far. Let's wrap it up. Hey guys, welcome back. This is our last episode in the book of John. Yay, it's crazy. We've made it. I know. And we made it past last week. The crucifixion was hard. I was listening back and it's just so heavy. Mm -hmm. So it's so cool to see the resurrection. And I'm excited to read through this with y'all today and talk about it. Me too. I was... Um, listening to a podcast by the Bible Project this morning and one thing they said, which I think is so true, and I hope that this has been the case for y'all as you've followed along with us through the book of John, but thinking about like when you first meet somebody and the assumptions you might have about them or like the perceptions that you have, you automatically have an assumption about somebody. And the only way to like get over that assumption or move through that assumption or find out who that person really is, is to spend time with them. And so our hope Mm. is that through this study with the book of John, maybe you came in with some assumptions about Jesus that aren't true or maybe you some assumptions you had about him have been confirmed um but we really just hope that through all of this study 12 podcast episodes that you're walking away with a better understanding of who jesus is and also what that means for you um yeah and not just holding on to assumptions or things you might have heard from other people that maybe turned you away from him um we hope that you see that he is love and he is truth and he is light and he brings freedom. Yeah. I think it's so important to not have like a relationship with Jesus. That's through somebody else. Like Jesus died to Mm -hmm. give us this access where each of us have our own relationship with God and with scripture. So, but, um, I will say that if you have any more questions or if you need something to tie it all back together for you, that's a little bit more brief, I listened to the two Bible project summary of John on YouTube. So if you just Google that, then you can listen to it. They're both about eight or nine minutes. So in less than 20 minutes, you can have sort of the summary of the whole book and what it means and some references from the Old Testament. And so you'll have everything kind of in one spot. And those are great because they illustrate them. So it's like kind of easy to follow along. It doesn't feel overwhelming. I mean, sometimes it does. It's a lot of information, but it's like pretty easy to follow, which is really yeah. cool. Um, to start us for this week, Emily, will you pray and then just do like a quick summary of what we talked about last week? Yeah, I would love to. God, thank you so much for a new day and for a new chance to look to you. I just pray that you would use everything that we go over today to really deepen each of our relationships with you and each of our ability and desire to tune into your voice and to obey what you say. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. Um, so last week we talked about the crucifixion and... And, and Jesus is arrest. So Jesus moved with all of his disciples from 
the upper room where he was having the last supper with them and walked to the garden where Judas had brought soldiers to arrest him. He said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am, which we talked about. That's God's name from the old Testament. And so Mm -hmm. I love that symbolism there. The soldiers fall back and he says, again, he basically just gives himself over to them because it's part of his plan. So they take him and they take him before the high priest first, where he essentially says, I've done nothing wrong. But the high priest sends him to Pontius Pilate, who is a Roman. So he's sending him to the Romans to say he's a bad guy and we want him put to death. And so Pontius Pilate has a conversation with him that is very interesting, which we talked a lot about last week. And then he says, I find him not guilty, but the Jews still want him to be put to death. So he was sent to the cross and he died. Mm-hmm. So we, we left off with the tomb. They had just put him in the tomb. Yeah, they just buried him. Um, so we left off and it felt pretty bleak. And obviously we know the end of the story, which is so great. I'm so excited. I honestly like thinking about last week versus talking about this week. Sometimes my brain thinks in colors and like last week felt very like dark and gloomy. And this week, week feels like bright and sunny and like flowers. But yeah, we're, we're going to pick up this story. It's We're doing John 20 and 21 today. So I'm going to be reading in the uh, NIV translation but we're picking up in John 20 verses 1 through 18. So it says early on the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one whom Jesus loved and said they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had risen from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. So I'm going to pause there for a second. Imagine what's going on. So you have Mary Magdalene, who also we need to understand at this point, like, yes, we, from reading through the book of John, we know that Jesus had told them, I'm going to die. And then I'm going to, in three days, I'm going to rise again. Like, I think he tells them that point blank at one point, but for them, like, they're just not sure that would be still really hard. That would be really hard, (laughs) you know? So Mary Magdalene arrives at the tomb. It's really early in the morning. It says it's still dark outside. And what I think is interesting is she doesn't actually go in the tomb. She just sees that the stone is removed and immediately runs to go find Peter and John. Because remember, John refers to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. And then Peter and John run to the tomb. I can remember my dad is a pastor and 
I remember one Easter Sunday, him just like laughing about how much running is going on. And the first few <laughs> sentences, it's like Mary Magdalene's running and then she runs to go get them and then they run here. And of course, John has to say like, and guess what? I got to the tomb first. <laughs> I like, was faster. I, out, yeah. I outran Peter, which is also kind of fun. Like, why is that detail in there? I, know, I don't I know. that's really but funny. <laughs> that made me laugh. It's kind of funny. He's like the other disciple whom Jesus loved got there first. But what is interesting is John doesn't go straight in. Uh, Peter, of course, our beloved Peter, who just always, always on his emotions, he just runs straight into the tomb. Um, and it says John kind of is like standing on the outside for a second and like peering in. And they see that the grave clothes are laying there. So in those days when somebody would die, they would wrap them in linen. Um, And I was reading some commentaries on this. And one thing I thought was really interesting is I think it's easy for us to think like, oh, did Jesus just like float out of the like the Mm. grave clothes? But what most likely happened, because it talks about them being folded up, specifically the one that goes around his head is um that jesus rose from the dead and then like took off like took off the grave clothes himself and that that image like thinking about jesus removing the linen from his eyes and like removing the grave clothes from his own body one it reminded me of lazarus when he raises lazarus from the dead yeah and he says unbind him like we obviously like we're moving into talking about the resurrection and the fact that in Jesus we have new life and like the the things from our past our own like spiritual grave clothes no longer hinder us you know Jesus is removing those he's taking those off and he's leaving them in the tomb like yeah. they don't come with him into the new life um and so I think for ourselves, too, as we're thinking about, like, what does the resurrection even mean for us? There's so much we can say, and we'll get into it a little bit more. But I do want to say that right off the bat is, like, our mistakes, our sins, like, they are covered in Jesus. He has removed our grave clothes. I'm doing air quotes right now because <laughs> y'all know we don't, we're not actually all wrapped up in linen. But you, I know that there are things from your past or things... Um, even from your present right now that you're like, man, I really want to leave that behind. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't, I don't want to bring that into a life with Jesus. And like, he is giving us the opportunity to leave that behind and to find new life in him. I feel like I find myself in these situations every single day realizing, okay, there's never going to come a day in my, my life on this earth when I don't need Jesus. And if I ever start to yeah. believe that I do, that like I've learned enough from him or like, you know, that these principles have set in enough, then I've missed it. Because really mm. the point is he came to cover our sins, but it's about walking with him. And we're going to talk about this in, in 21, but it's about discipleship from him. Like we get to walk hand in hand with him and, and listen to him and obey him moving forward. Yeah. So picking back up the story, we, like we were just saying, we have Mary Magdalene at the tomb, Peter and John, they have gone into the tomb. They realize, okay, he's not here. And it's interesting. They leave. They, it says the disciples go back to where they were staying. So they leave But Mary doesn't. Mary Magdalene does not leave. And it says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. 
As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She says, They have taken my Lord away, and I do not know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. So we're going to pause there for a second. Um, I love this interaction with Jesus and Mary Magdalene. I mean, I know we always talk about we love interactions with Jesus and women in the Bible, but this one's just really sweet. So uh, Mary is standing in the tomb. She sees two angels there. And I honestly, like, she is so distressed it says that she had been weeping and crying and so it's almost like the the tears and the fact that she was assuming Jesus was dead like they were blocking her from the reality that was right in front of her um but Jesus when he says her name like just at the sound of her name Mary realizes who it is that it that it is Jesus and I love that that's all he has to do is just call her by name and there's a ton of places all throughout the bible where we are told jesus calls us by name that we are loved and we're chosen we are called by name and that he knows us by name and so i think that is very easy to put ourselves into mary's like shoes in that moment of imagine jesus calling you by name and he is he's doing just that for us he's calling us by name and so then he tells her go and tell the disciples which is crazy i know we've talked about this but in those days for a woman to be the one the messenger in the news yeah. like that that a lot of scholars use that as like proof that this is what happened is because if they want it like if when the disciples were writing the gospels, if they wanted it to seem believable, especially in those days, they wouldn't have had a, a woman be the messenger about the resurrection. Like it's almost dis in a way it's crediting the gospel, but discrediting it. Like, yeah, because it's so unlikely <laughs> for it to have happened that way. And the fact that they like stated right. it that way, it's like, oh gosh, this must have happened. If it hadn't have happened and they were trying to convince people that Jesus had risen from the dead, they would have sent a man. Because in those days, that's just how it worked. That's how culture worked. Women were not valued. And so the fact that they're like, no, we're telling this story exactly as it happened. And this is what happened is really amazing. Like yeah. that's just shows that this really did happen. Like Jesus really did rise from the dead. He really did appear to Mary. And in some other accounts too, it talks about other women that were there with Mary. And that's crazy even in and of itself is it's like, it's not just Mary. There's other women who are around as well. Um, 20 finishes with Jesus appears to his disciples. First, he appears to um, 10 of them. So obviously Judas is not there. And also Thomas is not there. And this is really important because the end of chapter 20 is when Jesus does appear to Thomas. But 
before he appears to Thomas, he has appeared to the ten. He like shows up. They're all in a room together, and he shows up, and they believe. They see that it's Jesus, and they believe in him. But Thomas isn't there, and it ends with this. I'm going to read it to y'all, and it says, Now Thomas... One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I have seen the nail marks in his hand and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands, reach out your hands, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And I've always read that passage and kind of, I mean, maybe you've heard the phrase, a doubting Thomas. Yeah. And that's exactly where this comes from. Um, and I feel like I've always read that and been like, oh, Thomas, like doubting Thomas, boo, boo, boo. Um, but I was listening to a sermon by Tim Keller. <laughs> and, our favorite guy. And it's like our tagline for this, for this series. I was listening <laughs> to a sermon by Tim Keller. But one thing he said, and I love it, it gives new light to this story for me, is the fact that, yes, Thomas doubted for, for that week where he, the other disciples had seen him and he didn't. But one of the reasons John put this passage in his gospel is that it allows like we can relate to thomas yeah and like we are (laughs) thomas not the fact that we're doubting but the the fact that we're not gonna see jesus's scars like he's not standing in front of us in person like that's just that's not our reality yeah but jesus is saying blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe he's almost acknowledging like I know that it can feel hard to believe, yeah. but I, but I am real and this really did happen. And so like blessed are those who believe even if they haven't seen. And um, one thing that I have picked up on as we've been studying this and the word blessed is used a lot. And I think that obviously our context for the word blessed is different. It, it comes across more like you'll be given things or like mm-hmm. you'll have success or it, it to me it at least has a like a money connotation like yeah blessed that's true. or even if it's not money it's like favored <laughs> but right I, yeah I think that the the thing I've heard the most surrounding the word blessed is happy I've heard Tim Keller say that several times like I think in this context blessed means like satisfied and happy so it's like yeah you could doubt. And I will still reveal myself to you and I will still love you, but you will actually be blessed, happy, satisfied if you just trust me. So I think it's like a, a reminder that, yeah, we're going to have our doubts, but if you choose to trust, you really will find the satisfaction that you're looking for and the happiness that you're looking for. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and then just to close out 20, cause I think this is uh, John is so selective if you count John's gospel really only covers um 21 days in Jesus's life mm-hmm. isn't that insane 
it's like, <laughs> yeah. wait, what? And he even tells us right here how chapter 20 ends. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And one, I, I think, love that. I'm like, wow, what else did he do? You know, what know, else is recorded? That's amazing. But also just John explaining point blank, like the reason I wrote this down is because it is all true. And John wants more for us than a life without Jesus. And Jesus obviously wants more for us than a life without him. He's saying, I want you to have new life in me. That is the power of the resurrection is we are able to leave behind our grave clothes and to walk into new life with Jesus. It's we're offered that right now, right here, right now. Like if you're listening to this podcast, randomly stumbled upon it (laughs) and you're starting from the end, like great. We're so happy that you're here. And if you've never had a relationship with Jesus before, we hope you know that there is an invitation for you right now. And if you want to start a relationship with the Lord, like we would love to be a part of that. We would love to help walk you through that and what that even looks like. But you can pray right now, like Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart? And would you bring me new life? Reveal yourself to me. I want to be in a relationship with you. He's calling your name. He's saying, Mary. He's saying, I'm here. I have defeated death and you don't have to live in the tomb anymore. Come walk in new life with me. That's how 20 ends. (laughs) Yeah, and I absolutely love that John is so clear. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing I felt this whole entire time is that nothing is wasted in this book. And that's why I think that... Um, no matter how many times you study it, it's going to continue to reveal things to you. Literally, um, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. I love that he says, this is the purpose of this book. Like it's, there's nothing hidden here. Like I am giving you every piece of evidence that I have, but to move on to chapter 21, this chapter 21 is an epilogue. So if you've ever read a book, and it ends, but then at the end, there's like five years later or whatever. They're like, and then they had a baby. And right. Then they lived happily ever after. Yeah. Like an epilogue is, it sort of sums up the point. So like we, right. we've reached the end of the story and now John is saying, I'm going to tell you what we talked about when, when he revealed himself to us for a third time. And I think it is really good. There's four things that I want to talk to y'all about from chapter 21. One is that Jesus wants abundance for us. Mm. So I don't know if you've ever felt like living a life of faith would mean that you have less or that it's all only about sacrifice. And Mm. I just want to say that that is not true. And you're going to see that in just a second. Um, that number two, Jesus is all about restoration. And there's a really cool story that you're about to see where he restores Peter after he denied him three times. And then Jesus has, this is the third thing. Jesus has a mission for each one of us. And that's specific to us, Mm -hmm. which I love. And then we're going to end by talking just a little bit. This is the fourth thing about comparison because 
Jesus knows that we are all going to tend towards comparison and he addresses it in this really cool way right at the very end. Um, so I'm going to start by reading, we're going to talk about abundance first. And so I'm going to read this story where Jesus appears to the disciples for the third time after his resurrection. This is chapter 21, verse one. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias. So they've, they've gone from Jerusalem back to Galilee where they normally live. And he revealed himself in this way, Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, who I guess are James and John mm-hmm. and two others of his disciples were together. So two people that he's not giving their names. This is verse three. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Verse four, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. Mm -hmm. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish for they were not far away from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. And this was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, The main thing that I want to point out here is that it's a a picture of what it looks like to walk with Jesus. Hmm. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a literal story, which is, I think it had a lot of purpose for them in, um, restoring their faith and Jesus was reconnecting with them to give them, which you'll see in just a minute, a mission before he ascended to the father. But for us, I think this is important because Jesus has a life of abundance for us, but as his disciples, as the people that follow him, we're the most effective when we listen to his voice, listen for his voice, and then obey what he says. So, I mean, this is obviously like a little miracle because we all know that on either side of the boat, like... (laughs) that's the same water, right? (laughs) Like there's, there's not a difference where you cast your net when your boat is probably decently small. So the cool thing here is that by listening to what Jesus said and casting their net just a little bit to the other side, that they 153 large fish, like they went from catching absolutely nothing all night to their nets overflowing where they can't even pull it into the boat. It's meant to be a picture of obedience. I'm sure that there's not a single person listening who hasn't had moments of this feeling at times and fighting that thought that living a life of faith is living a life of only sacrifice. Like that we have to give up all the things that we want in order to follow Jesus. But it's not about giving up the things that we want. It's about reorienting our sight 
with Jesus's. Hmm. So if we love yeah. him and we believe that we need him, then looking to him and listening for his voice and obeying what he says produces the abundance in our life that that is good for us and that we really want and that we really need. And maybe Jesus doesn't have like fame in store for you. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe he doesn't have like money in store for you. Maybe that's not the type of abundance that he wants to give you. And maybe that's not the type of abundance that would actually bless you. Maybe you think you want that. Like all of us think that we want more money. All of us think that we want you know, maybe some acclaim or maybe some success in these different areas. But if we really believe what Jesus says and that he has a best for us, then the abundance that we'll see through walking with him might be different, but it it might just be so surprising and so wonderful. It all is contingent upon though, believing that he has the best for us. And so I think that's important. And understanding that, like what you were just saying, but his definition of best might not line up with our definition of best. And sometimes, like, that is a hard reality. <laughs> like, there have been multiple yeah. times in my life, like, I think I've said this before, but I really wanted to go to Clemson. I thought I was going to go to Clemson, like, full steam ahead. And that wasn't the Lord's best for me. I didn't end up going to Clemson. I went to JMU instead. And that was like when that decision had to be made, it was really hard and made me Mm -hmm. really sad. And I did not think that it was what was best, but it ended up being more than I could even imagine. And so it takes faith to believe that and to trust that, to trust that even when the Lord's best doesn't line up with what our definition of best looks like, that it still is what's better. Um, and isn't it crazy how just with a little bit of time, our, our thoughts about what's best for us can change so much. And like, I would encourage y'all look back on your life and think about times when you're like, man, I really wanted this X, Y, or Z thing, but I'm so glad that that didn't happen. You know, I think we all have stories like that in our lives of, I really wanted this to happen, but I'm so thankful that it didn't. And I'm so grateful for where Lord has led me. And it takes courage to admit that. Sometimes it takes courage to admit like, you know, I didn't get into that university or I didn't get into that sorority, but I, I got into this one or, and this is better, you know? And yep. that takes courage, but mostly it takes faith in the moment to trust, okay, Lord, I know that you're, you are writing my story and it's not over and what you have for me is going to be better. That's the, re- that's resurrection hope. You know, that's hope yep. in something yes, that we can't yeah. see yet, but we trust is, is coming. And I think that's what faith really is. Yeah. Faith in him, like putting all of your trust and belief and hope in him that he knows better. It's like a, that's why we talk about it as surrendering. Yeah. Cause it's like, man, I, I have a, my sight set on something that I think will be best for me in this season or what I think I want or what I think will make me happy. But faith is surrendering that to God and saying, I trust you mm-hmm. first and foremost. And I believe that your mission for me, your best for me, your plan for me will fill me up in ways that I never could have even dreamed of. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually to keep going in the story, I think this point about restoration, point number two, if you think about how the world works, there are consequences for our actions and that's something that we can't really avoid. But I love 
that Jesus gives Peter an opportunity for restoration. So we know that in the last podcast, we talked about how Peter got put in a situation where he was afraid for his life and he denied Jesus three times. And I think he was wrapped with guilt. And I think that even though that's what happened in the moment, I don't think that was his heart. I think he just panicked. He was scared. Yeah. Yeah. It was self-protection, you know? And so I love that this is what happens because Jesus comes to him and without even him asking, he gives him this opportunity to completely make right what he did. And this is what he does. He, he asks him three times, do you love me specifically to kind of like cross out the three times that he said he didn't know him. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to start reading at 15. When they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs, which we'll come back to what that means. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know, I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him the third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know, everything, you know, that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I just think that that is really special. Mm-hmm. He's like offering him this perfect cancellation for his sins, which I think is just redemption. Yeah. It's the heart of Jesus for all of us. Like maybe there's something in your life that you feel like, gosh, that was just not me. That's not what I wanted to do. That's not what I wanted to say. That's not how I really feel about God. That's not how I, you know, but Jesus is here demonstrating his heart, which is that I know that you love me. I do know everything and I know that you love me, but I'm giving you a chance to say it again and cancel out what you said before. But what I like about this is that while he's doing that, he's giving Peter his calling Hmm. and his mission, which is to feed his sheep, which means we talked about this uh, in a podcast episode already, actually, but What it means is to love and serve the church. So the the people that will continue to believe, to be hands-on with them. So he's giving him like a very relational mission. But this is where we get into the comparison part. So Jesus has a purpose for each one of our lives. It's so specific and so lovingly given to each of us. But you'll see that Peter and John sort of have like a little bit of a comparison moment here. I feel like they have kind of, I mean, maybe it's just when they ran to the tomb, but it feels sometimes like they have a little bit of a rivalry of like, I think so too. He's like, I beat him just so you know, I got there first. And now this also, it's very interesting. Yeah. And so at verse 20, it says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? Follow me. So then it goes on to say that people thought because of this, that Jesus was saying John was not going to die. And that's literally what it says in the next two paragraphs. Um, And let me explain that just a little bit. So 
if you go back to the conversation between Jesus and Peter, so this is verse 18 and 19, Jesus says to him, basically, this is the kind of death that you're going to die. And he talks about stretch out your hands. So, so I read in my study Bible, he's basically, he's foreshadowing that Peter will die Mm -hmm. by crucifixion. Um, and so when Peter says, what about this man? He's kind of asking like in general, what's in store for him? Like what's his mission and like, how will he die? Like, I don't know. I think he's just sort of asking like, what about him? Jesus says essentially in a loving way, mind your business. Yeah. He's not, yeah. he's not actually saying that John won't die, but I think it's funny that they took it so literally. Let me see. It says, um, And then the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? So I think it's so funny. These are like the last few sentences of the book of John. And he's taking the time to Hmm, say this. That's so true. Peter's asking, okay, I'll feed your sheep, but what about John? What's he going to do? And like, if, if you say that I'm going to die a crucifixion death, like, okay, how's he going to die? And Jesus answers him and says, just follow me. Like that's his response is what is it to you? Follow me because he's trying to help Peter hone in on the most important thing. And that's keeping his eyes focused on Jesus. This just speaks so loudly to me about comparison because who hasn't literally who hasn't compared themselves to their friends or, or their enemies or their family or anyone. I mean, I think it's so human nature to compare ourselves and like in our Bible study curriculum that we have. Yeah. Did we do a podcast on this or is it just, yeah, we have a podcast on comparison and we have it in the curriculum, but okay. And I think that we could probably talk about it like every week and it would never get old because it's honestly the deepest tendency that all of us have. And I think the reason why is because deep down we all wonder if we're enough. Like Mm -hmm. I think Peter has been trying so hard to prove that he loves Jesus the most. And then he very obviously let him down by denying him. Yeah. And John is trying to race to get to the, tomb first and like all of us want to prove that we're enough and want to prove that we are significant and so looking to our left and right and comparing ourselves to other people is a way of measuring that but Jesus is saying look to me first Jesus has a unique plan for each yeah, of us definitely so I, I kind of want to go back to the commandment that Jesus has for us, which is to love others. And I don't think that even though it's, we don't think about it this way. I just don't think it's loving ourselves or loving other people to compare ourselves with other people. So I think Jesus is basically saying, look to me first and I will give you what you need to love others. Well, mm-hmm. Right. Um, So the very last line is verse 25. It says, there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that Hmm. would be written. 
I love that so much. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's the it's the only time he ever says I. He never speaks in the first person any other time. Oh, interesting. That's the whole so book. true. Yeah, he sort of like pops out of the story for a minute to say, I have shown you the major signs. Like I'm lining up the things that I can, but there are so many things that I could say. I, I just love that. Yeah. And it's the perfect way to end it because there's also many more things that Jesus like continues to do in our hearts and in our lives. Yeah. It's like what we said, this book only really highlights 21 days in Jesus's life. So of course there's so much more that we don't even know about. Yep. The purpose that, that Jesus had for John was to write so that people would believe and so that people like us could look back on Jesus's life and see how everything lines up. And John actually was the author of several other books of the Bible as well. And so that's the purpose that Jesus had in store for John is like more so writing and sharing the truth of what happened. And then for Peter, Mm -hmm. he had the purpose of like discipling people in the church in that day and age. It's so cool to think now that, you know, thousands of years ago, Jesus had a specific purpose and one of them served a huge purpose in that moment. And one of them serves a huge purpose. Now they both are so important because I mean, if, if Peter wasn't doing what God had for him, then who's to say like, how the church would have looked different. Yeah, looked different in that day. And then if if John hadn't have served his purpose, we wouldn't even have all of these stories. So it's just it's so cool the way that God has a perfect plan for us and all we have to do is just trust him and believe it and believe that it's equally important to like our friends, our sisters, our neighbors, our you know, the people that we compare ourselves to. And that there's something really special for us and that God sees us in that unique way. Yeah, your story carries something that nobody else can carry. Like you, what you have to bring to the world is uniquely yours. And so don't miss out on that. Don't, don't shy away just because you feel like you're not the other girl that you're comparing yourself to. Yep. So that gets us to the end of the book of John. That's crazy. I feel like we need to do something to celebrate. (laughs) I know. I don't know what, but we're here, y'all. We made it. We're so proud of you guys for following along. And we do. We just pray that this would um, leave y'all with a thirst and a hunger to know more about Jesus and to continue to dive in because we really just scratched the surface with this study, even though it might feel like we went really deep we really just scratched the surface. There's so much. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, we've talked a lot about Tim Keller, but the, one of the reasons why we love him so much is because he is just a brilliant mind and he does such a great job of having all of this information, but putting it into terms that are really easy to relate with and understand. And so he's always a really great resource to listen to about any book of the Bible. And then there are a lot of other resources that we're going to have listed on our website. So if you're interested in what you might study next, or if you're interested in going deeper in the book of John, you can go to ayaministries.com. So we'll have the, the study for the book of John up there and there'll be resources up there as well. So Yeah, we've just so enjoyed going through this with y'all. We love you guys so much. All right, bye, y'all.
拜。